Okay, let's grab our Bibles and our devices. Get everything ready that you need to dive into the Word of God together. Is anybody ready for the Word tonight? Mm. I don't know if I was convinced of that. I'll tell you what, I'll enjoy the Word of God. You do whatever it is you want to do. But listen, we need to honor some people as we dive in uh, to the Word of God tonight. So thank you, everybody, for being here. We have some dear friends from... Uh, from uh, different congregations, but some from Gateway Church in South Lake, some from True Life Church in Mesquite, some from Brazil. So we bless you. Thank you guys for being in the house tonight, and um, we honor you. May you be the first fruits of other people who have decided to come back across the border. You know, our borders just opened not too long ago. Actually, I don't even know if it's officially it starts like March 1st or something, so you guys are like a precursor. You're like the prophetic first fruits. You're not even the real first fruits yet. But praise the Lord. Welcome everybody watching online tonight as well. Kings Community Live, Facebook Live, YouTube, and all the other platforms. Bless you from all over the world. We got word tonight that there are people joining us live from Argentina, from Austria, Brazil, Canada, Colombia, Finland, France, Germany, Hungary, India, Indonesia, of course, all over Israel as well, Ireland, Japan, Kenya, Norway, Philippines, Poland, Singapore, Slovakia, South Africa, Spain, Sweden, Thailand, United Kingdom, United States, Uruguay, there are probably more. If we missed you, please write it down in your chat field so our online host knows where you're joining us from. In just a few weeks, we have the children's class back up and ready. Listen, we haven't had children's class for over two years. Now, that gave a lot of us a break, but it didn't give the parents a break. Parents are trying to do two things at once. They're trying to listen. They're trying to worship. They're trying to engage and serve and pray, and they got little ones running around. Parents, thank you for your patience. We know we had to get out of the COVID restrictions. We're just coming out of it, as you know, so thank you for being back in the house tonight. And, um, but in just a, about three weeks or so, we should be live back in the classrooms with the children. So that'll be fun. Pastor Mike will keep you up to date on that and the details in the coming weeks. So that's exciting. You can join us for discipleship class on Wednesday nights uh, as well. Now, the last important thing I want to say before diving in the Word is normally at the end of our sermon time, we marinate on the Word. We let the Holy Spirit do something in us before we leave the room. And sometimes that includes a special time of ministry and prayer up front. There'll be prayer partners up front, sometimes in the deeper connections rooms as well. Tonight, we're not going to do that because what we're going to do is we're going to focus on prayer for the, the current uh, conflict between Russia and Ukraine, okay? We're going to pray over that. So, but we're going to do it a little differently. So when we close, we're going uh, to have some worship. We're going to let the word soak in a little bit. We're going to officially dismiss you. And when the cameras go off, those of you that need to leave, please feel free to leave with grace. But those of you that specifically want to stay and pray for about 15 minutes with us, just for the situation in the Ukraine, I'm going to ask you to come down forward at the end of that. Just join us up front, and we'll give you further instruction. We're going to pray together for just a little while. We have several people in the congregation who are from the Ukraine. They've immigrated. Some are from Russia. I've gotten together with them to help me become much more educated, okay? Uh, I thought that was a good place to start this week. I got them in a room and I said, educate me what's going on. I know so little. Tell me from your perspective, where's your family at? What do they think about this? Who are they supporting? What's the conflict about? Where do you think this is headed in the future? And I feel like the Lord uh, used them 
to educate me a little bit and to give me a little bit more focus on how to pray. So if that's you tonight and your heart's been moved, just join us at the conclusion. We will pray together over this Ukrainian situation. We've been in the book of Joel, so if you have your Bibles or devices, use your fingers or your thumbs, depending on what it is you want to use. Book of Joel. We're in a series called The Road Ahead. Now, Joel is very famous. By the time you get to the end of chapter two, there's, there's this talk about the great outpouring, and I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters and your old men and your, your young men, people will dream dreams and see visions and there'll be this great outpouring. And we're gonna need that for where we're headed, friends. Anybody say amen to that? Where this world is headed, you've got a progressive left that's going in some crazy directions. They have lost sight of morality. They have lost sight of the word of God. They've lost sight of Judeo-Christian ethic. They've lost sight of the rootedness of what God has created people to be free. They've lost sight of that. They're pushing agendas that are counter to God. They're, 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 they're blatantly celebrating sin out in the open. You've got world powers, wars and rumors of wars. I think we see it all right there in the prophetic books. It's right there. We don't have to look too far. And we're gonna need this outpouring, friends. This is not a time, at least in this part of the world, as we deal with conflict all the time, this is not a time where we can just simply say, um, hey, let's have a nice little Bible study. Uh, let's pray for a few minutes together. Let's have a great worship song and, and get to lunch or get to dinner. We've got so many things on our plate. That was great for a while. That is no longer what's gonna work. What's gonna work in the age that we're moving into is that we collectively as the body of Messiah, we start to tap into listening to what the Holy Spirit is doing, listening to what he's saying, moving in the gifts that he's given all of us. Some of those gifts have been utilized, some of them have not, some of them have been dormant, some of them have been hidden, there's been some fear, how do I, how do I express what God has given me? But this is the age when we have to let all of those giftings come to the forefront. We have to do it with order, and we have to do it with sensitivity in the spirit. So when we come to the end of chapter 2 of Joel, we have this great outpouring. As we've studied Joel from the beginning, we, we haven't quite made it to the outpouring yet where we've been studying, right? So we talked about three weeks ago. It says, afterwards, I will pour out my spirit. And so we had to dive into what does afterwards mean? And so we had to come up with this word we made up called beforewords. What is beforewords before we can get to the afterwards? Well, if you missed the first couple of weeks, early in chapter one, there was the cleansing of the house of God. Outpouring of the spirit doesn't happen until the house of God is clean first. And I can tell you right now from traveling around the world, touching lots of people, hearing from people, there are some people really on fire for God right now. And there's a whole bunch of people falling away. There are some things in the house of God that are being resurrected that we've forgotten about, we need to focus on. And there's other times that sin and corruption and debauchery is being let in the house of God and they're calling that the body of Messiah and it's not. Before the outpouring, we must first start with the cleansing of the house of God. That was the first week. We then looked at one of the prophecies that Joel gave to us and he said there will be an attempted attack an invading nation, a group of nations making up an army that will attack Israel. 
That's what Joel talks about. But then he comes beside that and he says, but there's the possibility of the protection of the army of the Lord. And that's kind of where we ended last week. There's this potential attack, but there's also the potential protection of the army of the Lord. We're going to pick it, uh, pick it up right there. Our main text reading, Joel chapter 2. If you'll look with me, verse 12 and 13 is where we'll start tonight. Joel 2, 12 and 13. He says, even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. That passage starts off with the phrase, even now. That means, listen, we've already started going down a destructive path. We've made a couple of steps in the wrong direction, but, but even now, okay, we got it wrong in the beginning, but even now, where we find ourselves, we can still stop. We can still break this down and repent. We can turn around. We can go the direction we're supposed to be going. Even now, it can happen. You might say, but Pastor Chad, my life, I've thrown it away. No, even now, God can still grab you. God can still craft in your life, your God-created destiny, even now. It doesn't matter what you've done up to this point. It doesn't even matter what nations have done up to this point, because even now, he can stop, and he can turn with a repentant heart, a heart that is torn, a heart that says, I, I want to change. I don't want to be who I've been. I want to do things God's way. But it can't be an outward show. It can't be rending of the garments only. That's fine if that's a prophetic symbol for you. You know, we do that in Jewish culture. After the death of a, of a loved one, we sit shiva. And as part of the sitting shiva, we, we wear black ribbons. And, and in the night, in the evening, if you've never sat shiva with somebody, they will actually say some prayers. They will bless the family and they will tear the garment. It's an act. It's a prophetic act of what's happening, but it needs to be happening in our heart. Don't tear the garment if the heart's not really torn before the Lord, if it's not humbled. But even now, these calamities, these judgments can be avoided and God can turn some things around. You might say, well, that's an interesting theological topic we need to dive into then. If God has pronounced judgment are you saying through a change of heart and through repentance, can we change the heart of God? Well, the Bible seems to indicate that on some level, we have that capacity. In theory, yes. There are times where we can stay the judgment of God. We can buy more time or we can stop the direction that God was headed in his judgment. I remember the story of Abraham it said about Sodom and Gomorrah that the, the evil had risen to heaven. I mean, imagine how evil that is, that it rises to heaven. And God said, we're, we're done here. And you might say, well, that's not very merciful of God to give up on the whole twin cities there, Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, God said, I, I have to destroy them. And the theory is that there was no one else coming from those, no one else was coming to faith. God had looked down the road. He had seen that even with his representatives there, Abraham and Lot, that no one else was coming. No one else was listening. It was over. He had already seen it. 
His arms were open for anybody who wanted to come, but you know, guys, sometimes no one else is coming to the ark. The door is open. The animals are there. Noah and his family, the, the, come on. And at some point, God said, no one else is coming. Okay, shut the door. And we did that with Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, no one else is coming. So it was time to bring judgment upon them. And Abraham, in his heart of intercession, Father, are, are you sure you want to do this? Is, is this what you want to do? What if I can find 50 people that love you? Okay, I, listen, if you can find 50, go ahead. Now, why would God enter into negotiation? You know, the running joke is that because he's Jewish, but that's not, that's not really, you know, he, he's not, you know. He came to earth in the Jewish form, but Almighty is not necessarily Jewish. But for 50, well, God had already seen that there weren't 50. That, was not a, that wasn't a negotiation. That was like a weighted discussion. He already saw. It's like knowing the score and then betting on it. But I already knew the score. What if I, there's 40? Well, sure, if you can find 40. Why? Because God knows there's only four. The negotiation wasn't getting interesting until it got down to 10. God, what about 10? Okay. Genesis 18.32, then he said, may the Lord not be angry, but let me speak just once more. What if only 10 can be found there? He answered, okay, for the sake of 10, I will not destroy it. There was an intercession. There was an opportunity to come. There was an invitation. There was an opportunity for repentance, and God would have stopped the judgment, but they couldn't find 10. It would have got real interesting if Abraham had asked for five. Because now we're only one number away. God, what about five? Whew. God had to play the cards close to the vest there. Five? Abraham, did you say five? Yes, for five, I will stay off my judgment. What about for four? Whoa, four, we had four. Would have been a different story. But on a theological plane, there is a moment, there is a level to which with the right heart of repentance and intercession, you can sway the heart of God. Now, the reality is you're actually not swaying his heart at all. His heart already wanted to be swayed. His heart wanted to not send judgment. His heart already wanted to save. He's just looking for the right open door that he's able to do the very thing he wanted to do. And repentance and intercession is one of those ways. You're not changing his mind. He's like, I want to judge people. No, God, change your mind. He didn't, he didn't want to judge him in the first place, but he had to. And so in these areas, yes, we can somewhat change the heart of God. We can sway him to a direction he already wanted to go. Look down at the next verse of our key text, Joel 2, 14. Who knows? He may turn and relent and leave behind a blessing, grain offerings and drink offerings for the Lord your God. You see, friends, we're still in this vision of Joel. Joel is looking at Israel and he's saying, this is not good what you're doing. God has given you lots of warnings. Remember, Joel is a contemporary of Elisha. They've already gone through the whole ministry of Elijah and now they're in the ministry of Elisha and all the miracles. Then Joel is prophesying. They've been given warning, and they're still not listening. So Joel is seeing a vision of the future, and he's saying, if you don't change, there's an invading army that's coming, and God will use them for judgment on you. 
He doesn't want to do this. And we can still, even now, we can stop this process. And who knows? God may turn and relent and leave behind a blessing. There's a way to go back, he's saying. He's like, it's funny because he's talking about a prophetic vision in the future, but in the prophetic future vision, he's actually going backwards to an earlier time in the vision. And he's saying, go back to the early part of the vision. Even now, you can stop. You can repent and turn, and God will listen. He can change the course of history here, guys. This can be avoided. Let me give you our first key phrase of the night. We cannot change God's macro level will, but we have free will on the micro level. Let me explain the difference of these two things. Let's use the terms macro and micro. The macro level will of God means there's not a thing you can do to stop him. That means he created the universe for a purpose. He created you for a purpose. He sent his son to save and redeem. He is coming back soon. He will take his faithful saints with him into the age to come. There will be blessing. There will be healing. There will never be crying, pain, or mourning again. That's his macro level. You can't stop that train. There's not a person or a nation or a theory that can stop that train. That's called the macro level will of God. He will do it his way and he will do it on his time clock. But on the micro level, there are things we can change, right? You make decisions every day because God created you with a free will. He wants you to choose into his family. He's not forcing you to choose into his family. That means he has to delegate a certain level of micro free will that you get to choose things. You chose what to wear today. Some of you, good job. That's funny every time I say that joke, by the way. It's funny every time. But there's a lot of things that we choose you choose your spouse, you choose what to eat, you choose how to exercise, if you're gonna have devotion time, if you're gonna to go to prayer, are you gonna uh, live a, a lifestyle of this way or this way, where are you gonna live, where are you gonna work, hopefully you get counsel around you, but you choose a lot of your life, and that's what we're talking about here. Joel is saying, in the areas you can choose, choose. Choose freedom, choose healing, Choose repentance, choose righteousness, and even now, God will stop the vision that I've had because he wants to. He doesn't want to bring the judgment that, that's been prophesied. God's heart's desire is on display here. Did you not hear it in verse 14? Listen to it again. Who knows? He might turn and relent and leave behind a blessing. It wasn't just that repentance stops God's judgment. No, God's heart is on display. It's not just that he stops the judgment. He's actually gonna leave a blessing behind him. That's the heart of God. Not judgment, but blessing. That's what he wants to do in your life. That's what he wants to do in Israel's life, even now. We pray over this all the time in the summit where we're just praying over God, let your will be done here in Israel. Our people do not see right now in mass number. We need to choose better. 
but we know that God has a will. But his heart is to not only stop judgment, but to leave blessing behind. He doesn't want to leave you. This is the same thing we talk about with the Apostle Paul and his theological teachings about salvation. It's not just Yeshua died for you to forgive your sins and take away your debt. Because if he took away your debt, you're still at zero. God doesn't just save you from minus to zero. He lavishes love and blessing on you on top of that. Same heart, same God. He never changes yesterday, today, or forever. He wants to stop judgment and leave blessing behind. Deuteronomy 30, 11 and 12. Now what am I commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It is not up in heaven so that you have to ask who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it. He's saying, listen, you can choose today and this is not too hard. God is not asking something of us that we can't do. This is very much in our grasp in our free will to choose it. Later down in Deuteronomy 30, 19, this day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses, now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, hold fast to him for the Lord is your life and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your father Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God doesn't want to send judgment on us. He wants to leave a blessing behind. What a gross misconception that the world, and really the enemy who influences the world, has made people think about God. That God somehow enjoys bringing judgment. He doesn't. He doesn't at all. He created every child to be part of his family and to receive a blessing. He created every person with a destiny, and that destiny only fits inside of his kingdom. The destiny actually never fits outside of his kingdom. That's why so many people are miserable. Doesn't matter how much they have, because their destiny is not attaching to the one who created the destiny. Now, notice that Joel is calling on the repentance of the nation. Now, some of us understand this identificational repentance, that we repent as an individual and we repent as a corporate entity. Certainly, we understand this in our day and age. But sometimes the pendulum has swung too far in the body of Messiah, that we understand the gospel from an individual perspective, but we don't understand the gospel from a corporate perspective. And in the world right now, we have two extremes. A lot of times in the evangelical movement, we, we have this idea that I said my prayer, I'm saved, and that's really all that matters. All the rest of my life is about me and my self-help books and my seminars and my blogs and everything's about me and me receiving a blessing because it's an individual gospel. And that's not actually how it was preached. On the other hand, you have the, the, the Orthodox Jewish community who swings it the other way and thinks it's not really about the individual at all. It's about the corporate identity. And as long as we as a people continue to pray and give to the poor, then we as a people are saved. And they neglect all of the character development that God wanted to transform in their life. 
This pendulum swings too far. And really, it's supposed to be in the middle. It's a little bit of both. We say oftentimes here at King of Kings that the gospel message of Yeshua is an individual invitation to join the corporate family of God. It's individual, but only in its invitation. But once you join, you join us. And we're all doing the same thing. We're an army marching in the right direction, but all together. We have to be accountable to one another. We don't let the pendulum swing back and forth. So when Joel is calling for corporate repentance, he's not forsaking the individual repentance, but he's putting the two of them together. There's an element of both personal and corporate. Cleansing of the person, but cleansing of the nation as well. And that's why we started chapter one with the cleansing of the house of God. We say this in Jewish culture, even as we approach the holidays of the fall, we have prayers that we say publicly. We have the prayer of the Ashamnu, you know, the prayer of, of uh, we are guilty. That's what it means. We are guilty. And then we read the prayers of, of things we're guilty for, and we ask for forgiveness, or the Alchet prayer, that every place we've sinned, we say it publicly, God, we've sinned against you. We have in the writings, we have Ezra's prayer, we have Daniel's prayer, where they are repenting publicly and corporately for the sins of the people. So you say, well, what does corporate repentance look like? Well, look down at Joel chapter two, back to our main text, verse 15. Joel 2.15, blow the trumpet in Zion, declare a holy fast, call a sacred assembly, gather the people, consecrate the assembly, bring together the elders, gather the children, those nursing at the breast. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Let the priest who minister before the Lord weep between the portico and the altar. Let them say, spare your people, Lord. Do not make your inheritance an object of scorn a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, where is your God? Did you catch all of that? That's a lot of, a lot of different elements that go into what corporate repentance is supposed to look like. First of all, there's a trumpet blast. It's a call of repentance. Why do we blow the trumpet on the Feast of Trumpets? Because it's a call for 10 days of repentance until the Day of Atonement. Gather the people. What are we going to do tonight after service? We're going to gather the people. We're going to pray with the elders and the ministers part of the circle. We're going to do this tonight. We're calling out for God's mercy in a lot of these trying situations in the world. We dedicate ourselves, but we dedicate ourselves as an individual and as a corporate unity for the special work of God. And we call forth, if you caught it, we call forth all ages in these moments of repentance. It's not just the older. It's the older and the younger. It's not just the male. It's the male and female. It's not just gifted in one area. It's gifted in all areas. Everyone come. Be part of what God is doing in this move of the Holy Spirit and in, in repentance. As a matter of fact, uh, one of our agenda items every Tuesday morning, uh, excuse me, Tuesday afternoons, um, the elders of King of Kings Community, this is where you're at tonight, one of our campuses, the elders of King of Kings Community, we gather for an elders and pastors meeting and we talk about what the Holy Spirit has done and what he's going to do next. 
And so one of the things on our agenda for this coming Tuesday is when is our next worship and intercession night? Pastor Ray, did you know that was on my agenda? You do now. It's on the agenda for Tuesday because we're coming out of discipleship semester and it's a perfect time to dive back into a night where we are just saturated in the presence of God with worship and intercession. So it's not just tonight. You can pray with us tonight and we invite you. It's also every day in the summit. There's a prayer tower which is now on the 21st floor. Those of you that haven't been with us for a while, you used to think it was on the 14th floor, but God has been doing some amazing things and the building grew by seven floors. God is doing some things you could never imagine. I would have never imagined that. And I would have never imagined that. All the things I was working on, I was not working on that. It used to be the 14th floor. So if you're getting lost and you're getting out on the 14th floor now and you're at the police station, don't be alarmed. Get back in the elevator. Go to 21. There are people praying. If you're in other cities, if you're in Tel Aviv, go to um, the prayer center there in Tel Aviv at Adonai Rui. There's other prayer centers. If you're in Abu Ghosh, go to Beit Shalom. All of those prayer houses, part of the King of Kings network. We want to pe be a people that pray. But what happens after the community comes together? We cleanse the house of the Lord. We say, okay, even now this can be stopped, this judgment. We make a turn. We repent. We hear the call of God. What will happen Back in the main text, Joel 2, 18. Then the Lord was jealous for his land and took pity on his people. The Lord replied to them, I am sending you grain, new wine, and olive oil, enough to satisfy you fully. Never again will I make you an object of scorn to the nations. I will drive the northern horde far from you, pushing it into the parched and barren land. Its eastern ranks will drown in the Dead Sea and its western ranks in the Mediterranean Sea. And its stench will go up. Its smell will rise. Surely he has done great things. Do not be afraid, land of Judah. Be glad and rejoice. Surely the Lord has done great things. Do not be afraid, you wild animals. For the pastures in the wilderness are becoming green. The trees are bearing their fruit. The fig tree and the vine yield their riches. Be glad, people of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God. For he has given you the autumn rains because he is faithful. He sends you abundant showers, both autumn and spring rains as before. The threshing floors will be filled with grain. The vats overflow with new wine and oil. I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten, the great locusts and the young locusts, the other locusts and the locust swarm. My great army that I sent among you, you will have plenty to eat until you are full and you will praise the name of the Lord your God who has worked wonders for you. Never again will my people be ashamed then you will know that I am in Israel, that I am the Lord your God, and that there is no other. Never again will my, be, my people be put to shame. Did you capture the heart of God one more time? If you will repent, these are all of the things I will do for you. You will have so much blessing. Your vats, your storehouses will not contain it. The word used here was overflow. Everything you will, can build, I will fill if you will repent, if you will walk in my ways, 
If you will stop walking that path of destruction, even now you can stop. It can happen today. Today can be the day of salvation for every individual watching, every individual in the, in the congregation today. Today can be your day of salvation, no matter what your life path has been so far. And the heart of God is not to take you from negative to zero. It is to lavishly bless you until your storehouses are overflowing. That's the God you need to get to know. I don't know what you've heard about God, but if you haven't heard that version of him, then you don't know him. Because Yeshua didn't just die on the cross to take away your sins. He died on the cross to present you with his created destiny, to give you eternal life, and that eternal life with abundance. That's the language that the Messiah always uses. So let's move to a close here. Worship team, you can come and help. According to Joel's vision, we can continue the path of destruction, falling into sin, not obeying the word of the Lord. An invading army can come in, destroy our families, take everything we have, destroy our land, make us desperate. Then we will call on the name of the Lord and his rescuing army will come in and save us. That's one of the paths we can take. That's what Joel said. Or, friends, listen, or we don't have to go through all that. Or we can clean the house of God right now. Remember, we're the temple, we're the house. Clean the house of God right now through repentance and humility and obedience. Then clean the corporate house of God. Make sure we as a corporate entity are focused on living out God's principles. We're a house of prayer. We're a house of healing. We're a house of discipleship. We listen to the Holy Spirit and we move when he says move. If we become that, we avoid that whole first part of it. Remember the whole first part of beforewards? Before we can get to the afterwards? We can avoid the whole beforewards, and we can just end up with the afterwards. And you say, well, remind me of what the afterwards is? Afterwards, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. I will do things like you've never seen before. Afterwards. Tonight, it's a call that we as the body of Messiah, we get serious before the Lord in prayer, in intercession, in our study of the word, in our serving of one another, in our witness with our mouth and our actions. We live out the example that Yeshua taught us so that we can be in a healthy position for these end time wars. The wars are going to come. The world's going to go crazy. It's going to do what it does because sin is a decaying element. And yet as the darkness grows darker, we grow lighter and brighter. But the way we grow brighter is because of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on us. Get in that position because we choose it. Don't get in the position because you were forced there through desperation. We can have blessing through rescue or we can have blessing through repentance. I encourage us to have blessing through repentance that we don't have to go through desperation to be rescued. The second key phrase of the night. 
we can allow the Lord to send his blessing to rescue us out of a difficult situation or send his blessing directly through acts of repentance before we enter into a self-inflicted difficult situation. And don't underestimate that phrase, self-inflicted. God didn't bring any of this on us. We brought all of this on ourselves. Closing verse tonight, Isaiah 45, 23. By myself I have sworn, my mouth has uttered in all integrity a word that will not be revoked. Before me every knee will bow, by me every tongue will swear. It goes back to the macro and micro level will of God. Right now you have the micro level free will. Your knee can bow to God out of your own free will, or you can continue on the path of destruction, feel the judgment of God, move into a place of desperation, separate yourself from him for all eternity, and guess what? Your knee will still bow before him because he's declared every knee will bow. You can do it through repentance, you can do it through rescue, or you can do it through desperation. Guys, let's choose life tonight, amen? Bow your heads with me as we pray. Father, thank you for your good word. Thank you for sending this to the prophet Joel and helping him, Holy Spirit, to write it down. We thank you that you give us these paths of righteousness, paths of life, the ancient path that has never changed, that your heart has always been on display. You don't wish to judge, but you will if we make you. Your heart is to lavish us with love, acceptance, and blessing to fill our storehouses to overflowing. That is your heart. That's the God who you are. You don't just forgive us from negative to zero, but you bless us richly into the age to come. And we want to be part of your family. Would you call us and clarify that calling right now on earth that we can preach the gospel boldly, we can make disciples intentionally, and we can teach the truth always. Help us to do that even now in these very difficult times with darkness rising, evil rising, but that we would do greater things than you did because your spirit is being poured out in these latter days. Thank you for choosing us tonight. In the name of Yeshua, we pray. Amen. Listen, the worship team is going to help us for just a few minutes. Let the Holy Spirit move. This is a time at King of Kings where we don't necessarily try to rush out. If you have time, let the Holy Spirit tap into what he's saying in your heart. We're going to close in just a few minutes. And then when the cameras go off, we're going to gather for those that want to for prayer for the Ukraine tonight. Thank you for listening to the word of God.